and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by MTM's managing editor, Mark Osterman. And uh, Joe Chung may be with us. He has a uh, family thing going on, so hopefully he'll join us later in the show. Maybe, maybe not. How's it going, Mark? Uh, Have a good weekend? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, A little bit tired. Did the typical Mark thing and, and stayed out too late some night. I ended up passing out at like nine o'clock last night. So, uh, you know, that was good. But I did end up getting the that Southwest Companion Pass, the the where, where you get it for like two months next year or whatever, because you have to take two Southwest. You had to book within a couple days and then take two Southwest flights by, I think, right around now, maybe next week or something like that. And it just happened to work that it was about the same price as uh, Delta for the flight I was taking. So. I did that, got it. I don't know if I'll use it or not next year. I did some. I did. I did book uh, to Nashville in January. It was like fifty nine person, fifty nine dollars a person. So it doesn't even really save me much money if I take a co- companion pass on that. Uh, and then everything else I searched because I don't want to do a connection. So I was searching, you know, to their hubs, which aren't necessarily the best. I think Phoenix would be like the best option for me uh, in the winter. But everything was super expensive, so I don't even know if it's worth it. But we'll see. Hey, it's fun to chase it, right? I love how you uh, you give everybody such a hard time for chasing status, and here you are chasing the uh, yeah. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not like yeah, true. I will say I didn't go out of my way to book it, so that's a big thing. Like I didn't take a flight that was worse than I would have. It was still a, a direct nonstop, and the price was about the same, so it didn't really cost me anything. So that's why I did it. Like if I would have had to, you know, do a extra two hour flight or, you know, pay an extra $50, $75 for it than I would have done it. And the nice thing was I was able to use my Amex Airline Incidental. I had a new business platinum that I hadn't designated, uh, or I had designated Delta, but I hadn't used it yet. So I just messaged them and said, hey, can you switch this to Southwest? Right when the promo came out, I did it that day, and they switched it, booked it. So it was like $217 flight, and it cost me 17 bucks out of pocket, essentially, because of that credit. Nice, and that's a good reminder to people out there as we get closer to the end of the year, if you've designated your airline but have not used any of the credit yet, you can always message them and switch the airline. You can't do it online. There's no way to switch it online, but a quick chat takes about 30 seconds and they'll switch it for you. I, I've done that quite a few times and always good because you never know. Like you go into the year, you figure it out, or sometimes it just carries over if you've had a card for a while from the previous year and now you want to do a different airline. And uh, if you procrastinate like me, then uh, it's time to uh, probably get used to that. Probably get going on that now. Um, yeah, do it. <laughs> Do them day year year day one. That's how I, how I usually <laughs> fast do forward it. to the the last show of the year, Mark, where I'll be talking about how I have to do yeah. all my all my credits, <laughs> and then I'll talk about how I'm gonna really get ahead of it next year. And then actually, I did do it this year. I got all the cards I had last year that carried over. I did do them early on the year, but I've gotten some cards this year that I haven't yet done. You know, the new ones. So yeah, I got to get to to work on that and all those credits. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as uh, the year goes on, as we get closer to uh, the end of the year. So. A few weeks ago, like I saw this TikTok about this scam that's apparently very popular, basically where somebody calls you up and says a loved one had a bad accident, they hurt somebody, they're going to go to jail unless you pay a certain amount of money. Um, the one on TikTok, I think, was uh, a lady sharing it that her mom got a phone call, her elderly mom saying that she had gotten in a car accident and uh, they needed she needed to wire $1,500 or send it via Zelle, I forget. And uh, the mom did that. And one of the things that they did was keep the person on the phone so they couldn't call to verify, um, you know, obviously call the person to see what was going on. Um, so they, they use these tactics to sort of make you feel like your loved one is, you know, going to jail forever and you can save them by sending this money. And uh, lo and behold, it happened to my dad earlier this week. 
a pretty crazy story. So he gets a phone call basically saying that my son had been in a car accident and that my dad needed to wire $36,000 in order to avoid him going to jail. Said that he was on his cell phone, that he hit a seven-month-old, a seven-month pregnant woman and that she was in the hospital and he was in a lot of trouble because he admitted he was on his cell phone and that, you know, he needed to pay $36,000 to get my son out of jail or prevent him from going to jail. Um, there's a few concerning things here. One, my dad claims that he never gave them my son's name. Now, my dad's 77, so I don't know if maybe he accidentally let my son's name, but they knew my son's name. So when they called, uh, they said my son's name and not just my son's name, but my son's nickname, uh, which, you know, is sort of strange. Uh, so that was a little bit uh, crazy. But the other crazy thing uh, before I go on, Mark, is that they put someone on the phone. You know, he asked to speak to my son and they put someone on the phone who he said it sounded different, but he sounded like he was talking with like a busted up lip and, you know, like he was injured. So my dad thought it was reasonable enough that it could be my son. So he was pretty convinced of it. Uh, so that's kind of scary. Uh, thankfully, my dad was a little suspicious and he started asking some questions to which the scammers kind of freaked out and hung up on him. Uh, then he called my brother, which why he didn't call me, I don't understand. But he called my brother <laughs> who has some connections, has a knows somebody in the in the traffic department of the police uh, here. And uh, they looked and nothing. And then finally called my son who said, yeah, I'm, I'm at home doing nothing. You know, everything's fine. Nothing happened. I'm thinking had they not tried to go for 36000 my dad actually would have fallen for this. It's one thing like to sit on the outside and think that, you know, you wouldn't fall for it. But like in the moment with all the emotions, you're talking to somebody on the phone, you really, it really feel, it really felt real to him. And apparently uh, with some more research, this scam is happening all the time around the country right now. It's a big deal. I don't know where they're getting it. Maybe they're pulling up like public record information of family members so that they can have enough info to kind of convince you that it's true, but a crazy, crazy scam. Yeah, uh, I had a buddy whose wife got caught up in this just a few months ago and got hit up for a couple thousand dollars. So it definitely is, you know. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I had forgotten about him. Yeah. And the, that it's making its rounds. And you always say like, you know, how dumb are you type of thing. But you get so emotional about it. Like you're so worried about doing something wrong. And logic gets kind of thrown out of the window, especially when somebody's asking you like, Hey, if you give us the the numbers of gift cards, we'll accept those. It's like no government entity is going to accept gift cards in $500 chunks, but you kind of lose that train of thought. And, you know, if somebody won't, and this will is what I'll tell and say this to all friends and family, most of the time, the government isn't going to call you. They're going to send you a letter. If there's something IRS related, they'll never call you. And if they won't let you get off the phone to verify something, then that's the giveaway sign or say, Hey, let me call you back. What's what's the precincts number and what's your badge number? Something like that. And if they won't give it, then you know it's a scam. So there are ways. And you know, uh, elderly parents, you can tell them this, and they probably still won't listen. But it is crazy, and it's happening, and people are losing money. Yeah, thirty six thousand seems like an an insane stretch. You know, if they would have said thirty six hundred, they could have they probably could have got some. So go for the little stuff, guys. Don't be so greedy. It's crazy. I saw another, you know, scam uh, on an American Airlines uh, Facebook group, a website pretending to be JetBlue from a travel agency, you know, kind of just basically taking people's money. So you always got to be, I don't know, you got to be aware, hypervigilant these days. But I kind of want to just emphasize how real it felt to my dad. And I forgot about our friend. I had seen, uh, like I said, that TikTok. Um, I forgot about our friend and how real it was 
uh, and him explaining that about what happened to them. And uh, that, yeah, it's just a, a crazy scenario. One that I wanted to highlight because you never know how you're going to like react in a situation, right? That fight or flight takes, you know, takes hold and you just want to protect your family member. And they have enough like info. That's the sort of crazy thing about the scam is they generally have names and some sort of info. Uh, the TikTok I had seen, they had the full name of the mom and a lot of details about the car. Like they, they're clearly using something to grab grab information. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing. Uh, thankfully, my dad, you know, he like 80% fell for it. But you know, that last 20%, uh, thankfully, he didn't uh, do it. But yeah, people got to be aware of that. We've seen the gift card scams. The other thing is that if you send money via Zelle or you wire money, you're doing that willingly. So even if even if you were tricked into it, you're not going to get that money back in most cases. Maybe if there's a criminal prosecution, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. so But I know that uh, in many cases that I've seen people report online, they're not getting their money back either uh, because they willingly sent it, even if it was, you know, under false pretenses. So it's kind of the similar thing. This happens a lot with like local sales with reselling where people go and, you know, people offer Zelle and Zelle famously will not give back the money, right? You get scammed and they're like, well, you, did you, you know, initiate this transfer? Did somebody else? Do? Yeah, I did. But I was, oh, well, you did it. So it was your decision. So yeah, keep that in mind. I, I just <laughs> never send people money out of nowhere, right? Like just investigate yeah. it and figure it out. It's crazy. Like, I mean, it's nice that Zelle stuff is uh, available right away, but maybe that is a problem. Like maybe there should be a 24 to 48 hour window where you can go in there and cancel. I guess the the other side of that is you could get scammed out of something. Like you, you could buy something and somebody could Zelle you and then say, oh, I never bought that, you know, take the money back. So I guess they have to play both sides of it. So I, either way they do it, it's going to be a bad situation, I, you know. Same with PayPal and all that. A lot of times they sign with the side with the buyer, even when you sent the stuff out. So there's like just no good way to do some of this stuff. Scammers suck, man. Scammers, you suck. You really suck. You make the world a worse place. But uh, I hope nobody out there has gotten scammed. And uh, hopefully this at least opens people's minds up. If it happens to them, you'll recognize what it is. That's my uh, that's my hope. So in talking about that and. Uh, Shout out to my dad who, uh, you know, who prevented it, I guess. So good for him. So uh, Southwest, it's companion pastime, right? You get points. You know, if you get a credit card now, uh, you can time the bonus so that it posts in the next year. And then you can uh, kind of start planning right now for the Southwest companion pass. And Southwest also increased their offers, which was really good. 75,000 bonus points uh, on all three of their personal cards, right? Yeah, they did, which I always find weird that one, that they have three personal cards where two of them offer no difference besides the cost of the annual fee and then the bonus points you get after, you know, you pay the annual fee in future years and stuff. But I don't see why they have those two cards, like just have the plus, you know, the cheaper annual fee and then have the uh, priority, the one that has all the the bonuses or the uh, the perks that you can use as a Southwest flyer for frequent Southwest flyers, like cutting the line or, you know, early bird essentially uh, on flights and credits for that and, and stuff like that. Or the business cards that have uh, the free Wi-Fi credits. Like I get that, but to go from the $69 card to the $99 card, there's like no difference. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know why anybody would sign up for the mid t the middle card. <laughs> well, well yeah, yeah. so you're getting what, uh, so let's talk about, I guess the difference is, uh, so you have the Southwest Plus, that's the $69 card, and that doesn't come with much, right? But you do get 3,000 points on your anniversary, you know, 2X on Southwest, uh, 2X on transit, 
internet cable, that stuff. Not not the best card in the world, but it gets you in the door. Uh, it gets you that Southwest, and it still comes with the same bonus, which is really cool. That's the neat thing that they do. At least it's almost like they're doing an A B test or something like that. Uh, that they uh, have these different cards, but at least the bonus is the same. I do think the one difference, if you step up to the premiere, the $99 annual fee is that you get 15,000 tier qualifying points. Plus they double the anniversary points to 6,000. So, you know, that, but I mean, so you're getting an extra 3,000 Southwest points for the extra $30. That's probably worth it, right? Southwest points are worth more than a cent. Uh, So... You know, it's it's probably like that if you need the tier qualifying. The the priority is the $149 annual fee. That's going to add in like a $75 annual travel credit. Uh, you get 20% back on in-flight purchases. You have the ability to earn A-list status through spend. And then you do get that four upgraded boardings every year, which I think for some people could be a big deal. I know many in this hobby are like obsessed with, you know, hitting that check-in at 24 hours and people have written scripts and all of that stuff. But you know, I, I love. I don't, I've never, I've never the paid worst. for upgraded boarding. But Hate yeah. it. No, that's why I even pay. I paid for early bird on my flight this weekend because I, I can usually check it, and I forgot to check in at 24 hours on the flight out. But I usually can remember, or I'll set an alert. Uh, so I did it like at 10 o'clock at night. My flight was like a 6 p.m. flight, so I was like four hours late. Still got late B boarding, which means I could get an aisle seat fairly easily. And then on the way back, it was an early morning flight. And I knew I would forget. I always forget. And that's what I hate is the flight back. I don't want to be worried about checking in while I'm on vacation. It's stupid. So I paid the 15 or $20 early bird feed or whatever. And I got a 31 or something like that, 36. So I think it was it's worth it for that. And then, yeah, if you fly Southwest, you know, four or five times a year, I think the $149 card is definitely the best option. If you're just going for the... The welcome offer, then go with the $69 card because who cares if you get more points in the, you know, after the first year, whatever. 3,000 points isn't isn't a big deal. So I do that. And now to get the, they increased the Southwest Companion Pass to 135,000 points. The one business card offer is still 80,000. So the two combined put you well over uh, the 135,000 points still. So it's not even a big deal that they raise it if you get it via welcome offers. Yeah, it's nice that they still have that available. Of course, these cards are subject to 524, uh, like all Chase, pretty much all Chase cards. So, yeah, you got to deal that. I agree with you. I think it's the choice is really between the cheapest one and the 149 one if those perks make sense to you. You also get 7,500 anniversary points, which do have a value. That's about half, I'd say that's about half the annual fee there. And that with the upgrades, you know, if you buy stuff in flight and uh, especially if you want A-list status, you can get 1,500 tier qualifying points for every 10,000 spent up to 100,000. I don't think that's particularly a good deal on that card given the uh, earning rates and stuff, but uh yeah, it's a possible. People love the companion so. pass, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do. I mean, this is the deal that you know, I started Miles to Memories or I converted Family Around the World into Miles to Memories in late 2013, and I remember even at that time everybody saying, "Oh, this is the deal that's going to die," right? Back then it was 100,000 points you needed. Uh, to get the and the welcome pass. offers were like forty or fifty k tops. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that was the thing. Yeah, because some their increased offers once or twice a year would be fifty k. So you would wait for that. Now back then you didn't have five twenty four, which was really nice. And you could so get you could pretty two personal cards and get the bonus yeah, where you can't that's anymore. True, yeah. That's how I got the companion pass. Was I got the plus and uh, premiere, uh, whatever the names. I hate that they are all kind of the same with the P and stupid. Just like Hilton and with their same colored cards, and it's very frustrating. But anyway, uh, and Bonvoy with their all their B cards, yeah. yeah. Beve, brilliant, bountiful, 
boundless. I don't know. It's just terrible. Um, but yeah, I got it. The first time I got it was through two personal cards and that died right, right about the same little bit after 524, I think they came out with the family card rule, which was, was somewhat annoying because it was so easy to get with the personal cards and the spend was usually lower, you know, 3k for uh, each personal card, stuff like that. Yeah, since then, people are saying, this deal's going to die, this deal's going to die. Southwest seems, they must have, I mean, obviously, they've ran the numbers on this over the years. They have upped it to 110K, now 135K. So, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly, it's making sense for them. I don't expect it to go away. It's a great deal if you can get a companion pass, especially if you fly Southwest. Uh, We had one when Ellie was uh, less than two years old. That was the greatest thing ever. It was like a three-for-one ticket because, obviously, she... uh, was didn't need a ticket but we would just go to the gate agents and say you know are there any empty seats on this flight they would say yes can we put the car seat in the seat absolutely so now we get a whole row and we all we paid was one ticket so you know you know what the ultimate hack is and this is what joe i think secretly secretly has been doing on the sly is you just have a kid like every six years so you can always get that after a family boarding and that's why he had the third child so he could stretch out the southwest boarding a little bit more you got me bro (laughs) That was the plan. All Playing along. the long game. I need to, uh, never mind. But uh, it's, it's good to have Joe. Joe have joining us. Over. Yes, yes. Sorry I'm late. That third kid is uh, ill right now. So sorry I was late, but I'm glad to join. See, if you only had two, you wouldn't have an ill kid right now. That's the, that, that's the breaks right there, man. Yeah, you got it. You got it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, that sounded sarcastic, but I, I do agree. The other two are perfectly healthy right now. When the best laid plans backfire. All right, so. What else are we going to talk about, Mark? Let's talk about timing credit cards and applications, cancellations, hitting up all the benefits in the first year. Benji wrote an article uh, that kind of talked about this. Uh, it's important, I think, because most people, they sign up for a card, they get the bonus, they see what the, the benefits are, they try to take advantage of them or they don't, um, and they just sort of keep the card going forward. But there's a lot of benefits that you can sort of double dip if you time things right. Um, obviously, one of those is like, Amex Platinum, if you get it towards the end of the year, you can sometimes triple dip credits, right? You can uh, get a credit in the year you get it, immediately in the second year, and then because because of the way the timing of the fee works and everything, you can sometimes get it in the third year as well, all on one year card, which is amazing, and that's all part of their program, their rules and everything else, so you're not breaking any rules or doing anything. So yeah, maximizing cards, an important thing that I think people who are advanced in this hobby do, that beginners probably drop the ball on a little bit. Yeah, I think this is like the the honors course or, or so. Like when you get into this for a while, you kind of start to look at every single way you could just juice it a little bit more. And one of the things is like, like you said, anything that's based off of calendar year, it's best to get, get a card towards the end of the year. Because there's usually a 30-day window where after the annual fee post that so you can close it and get the full amount back. So that's how you can triple dip some of these things. So anything that's based on calendar year, that's a good thing. Now, anything that's a spending cap based on calendar year versus card member year, that's a different situation that you can play with, like uh, the Amex Gold 25K spend, the uh, Blue Cash Preferred $6,000 spend. That's recently why I grabbed a couple of these is because if you sign up for it like in the middle of the year, you have until the end of that calendar year to spend the six thousand or twenty five thousand and earn all the the premium like six percent back or four times, and then once January first hits, that resets so you can do it again. So you could do it twice uh, under one annual fee, and that's why he said he was 
uh, time to move on from the golds. The annual fees close. He plans to open a new one uh, at the uh, middle of next year, and then he could, you know, he essentially gets fifty thousand dollars worth of spend for the same annual fee. If he would have just stuck with the card, he would only gotten twenty five thousand dollars worth of spend. I should say, if you are not currently under the the Amex pop up. This could lead to that, you know, opening and closing a lot of cards. But if you already have the MX pop-up and you don't think it's going to go away, this is how you can still, you know, kind of work your way into welcome offers and stuff, roundabout ways, uh, referral bonuses, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's important to say we're not telling anybody to, like, do anything wrong or to, like, take advantage of anything. I think every card you have right at the end of the year, you should be looking at what you can maximize and whether that card's making sense. For some people, you know, they may want to keep the Amex Gold long term for some of the benefits. Um, you know, for me, probably this strategy makes more sense. But I think it's always important at the end of the year to not only like, look, do I need to keep this card, but also which benefits I haven't used that I can maximize before I cancel. You know, make sure that you're not doing it. I think a lot of people probably don't think about, hey, the the spending limit has reset. Um, you know, I can I can do this before I cancel. And that's all within the rules. Uh, and uh, hey, if it's in the rules, then why not do it, right, Joe? Yeah, I think this is just like another example of one of those things that, like, uh, for example, I have finished all the spends I want to on various cards, and now I have like a month and a half left in the year. And it's like, what am I going to do? It makes me feel like I did not plan everything out well enough. Like, you know, ideally, you're kind of brag. I mean, <laughs> no, it's not. I have not spent as much as I want to, but uh, it was just humble. It was humble aspirations this year, Mark. That's why I was able to to make it. It's Jess's fault. You know? Yeah. So, so, um, oh, thanks for the reminder. I have to do my sacks <laughs> before uh, December. <laughs> yes. But, you know, it's just, it's just another one of the things where it's like, I mean, it's just like financial planning in general, right? But then, you know, these spending bonuses and stuff are just something to add on to it. Luckily, I think, Mark, you convinced me to get another Amex Platinum. So my the the last bit of my spending for 2022 is going to be finishing that sign-up bonus. But that was kind of like dumb luck that that happened. Um, otherwise, you know, I would have just, I, you know, what, what would I spend on Christmas? It wouldn't have been as efficient as it could have been. And I think those are the things that it's really easy to get uh, forget or get tripped up on just because, you know, you have a lot of, go- you know, I, I, it's that third kid again. I should say, like, going in this uh, vein, I was kind of at that point where, what am I going to do at the end of the year? You know, I got a couple new cards coming, so I do have that to work on. But, you know, you know those random Amex offers that people have been getting where it's like, spend $40,000, get 1,000 membership rewards or, like, super terrible offers? And I'll write this up before uh, the podcast comes out. But I was just, like, going through my cards and uh, Kirsten's business Hilton uh, card which we only have because the retention offer was to pay us basically like $130 to keep it open and profit. So I was like, oh, okay, we'll, you know, we'll keep that open. We didn't have to spend anything. They're just like, here's a $250 credit or whatever it was. Okay, cool. And I looked at that card I was going through. I think I was looking for like the Kroger Amex offers or something. And there was one that said, spend $13,500, get a $270 statement credit, do up to three times. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's not terrible. That's actually pretty good. And we haven't put any spend on the card. So the 15K free night is still out there. So if I spend 15K on it, I'll get, you know, probably six times points. I'll probably focus at gas stations. And then I'll get uh, the $270 credit plus a Hilton free night. cert. that's like a a welcome offer in and of itself, kind of. So these little things that, you know, kind of fall in your lap and perk you up. That's something I'm looking forward to hitting this year. 
Hey, good call. I think I have I have one of those. Maybe I'll do that, Mark. I got there a you go. And a half. I wonder how many people out there are like looking at all of their cards and their spendability with the limits by the end of the year. I've traveled so much this year that admittedly fell way behind on what I normally would have spent. Uh, I have several surpass cards that I have not maximized the spend on Last to get the three nights. Yeah, it really is. And I still have a gold card, Amex gold card with with capacity for grocery. So my goal in this next step. Sean uh, is the anti Joe and Mark. That's what I get. <laughs> no, because I no usually like within no, I mean, I on the grocery stuff, usually on the grocery in a normal year, I would hit that in the first couple months. I would hit the spend on all my Hyatt cards to get the free nights. This year, I've done about half the spending I need to do going into it. I'm hoping there's some good gift card deals uh, around Black Friday, merchant gift card deals, because I still do that occasionally. And I find that easier to scale up for liquidation and stuff. Um, so one of those deals could be I could do all of the spending all at once. So I'm praying for that. If not, I'll have to get a little bit more creative in, in what I'm doing to maximize this stuff. Because to me, those grocery categories, that's like low-hanging fruit. I can't leave that on the table. I can't leave Amex Gold Capacity. I can't leave Surpass Free Night Certs or even World of Hyatt Free Night Cert on that for the 15K spend. So, yeah, that's that's another uh, another thing I have to do before the end of the year. And another, you know, I guess it's a good thing to say that travel sort of ate into my spending on those cards. I should have been a little bit more strategic, though. Like the Hyatt cards, I could have used other spending for that, and I didn't earlier in the year and and whatever. I wonder if I'm the only one in that circumstance. Uh, wonder, I mean, I don't think We're so. not on YouTube. I want to tell people to leave a comment, but this is the podcast, so they can't do that. But I'm with you guys out there if, if you're one of the one of me. Tweet at him, at Miles to Memories. I mean, <laughs> I think that is, number one, the fact that you are traveling. Like, that's the whole point, right? So... I don't, I, you know, I think, but it's kind of a double-edged sword because he's been burning all those points. So he well, needs this, them. Well, this is what I, <laughs> what I, this is what I was about to say though. I think that's why Mark, you know, what we talked about last week, I think you were so smart to like burn all your points before you started, you know, your goals for however much you were trying to earn via miles and points this year, because once your bank is empty, then all of a sudden you're going to start focusing again. So I bet you next year, Sean, and I guess we'll see. But I bet you, like, even though you're still going to be traveling for the first half of the year uh, or however long, that's that's how long you guys plan on doing this, right? Now that you're, you know, your wells are much less full, maybe you're going to be more focused on organizing your spending in a better way than you did this year. Yeah, and the, I think the big problem is I came into this year with huge wells, right? I mean, I have a lot of spending through my business and I built up a lot of membership rewards uh, over two million, I think two and a half million coming into this year had, you know, seven figures, ultimate rewards and thank you points. I'm not bragging about this. This was just all stuff that I had built up and I spent them, but I still have a lot. And I think to your point, and we've talked about this a little bit about the cash value of those. And so I feel like, yeah, I'm going to cash in a lot of membership rewards, make myself feel point poor again. And maybe that'll motivate me in order to do it. And then there's a huge financial benefit to that because obviously cashing out the points that's going to, uh, you know, in the bank, get invested, and that's a good financial benefit. So I agree. I think the mentality of that, if you're sitting on so many points, then you're less motivated to do it. Some would say, yeah, just enjoy your points, travel with them, everything else. But uh, what fun is that, right? You got to enjoy you it when keep you're yourself dead. motivated, keep yourself hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I think that does play a role. I, next year, I don't know if I'll do this whole thing again. Probably not. Probably take it a little bit easier, at least the first half of the year, just because this has been like a a long, tedious year. And, you know, part of that is if you can find something good 
that's fairly easy for you to do that works for for racking up points then you know focus on that and and get what you can get you know while you can get it because if it's if you're not out running around doing all kinds of crazy stuff that there's something to be said about that even if it's less than what you would normally do at least you know you you have a little bit more uh brain uh space saved for other things and and stuff like that so i don't know i I think next year i'm gonna you know kind of cool off on signups as much and focus on like beginning of the year i'm gonna focus on all these uh, category spends that are reset calendar one because there that gives me a lot to work on and then it's not a stress for whatever reason i sign up for a card and i get stressed that until i finish that spend and i just keep like pushing and pushing and pushing and then as soon as that's done i feel you know like i lost a loved one and i need something else to replace it where maybe if i just delay that uh and focus on these other things it will be less stressful i don't know we'll see speaking of spend did you guys uh partake in the November 5th B of A extra 2% everywhere fun stuff? Did you pay taxes? Did you do anything on special on Saturday? I feel like you know the answer to this question, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I'm sure Mark, I, I paid some taxes. Uh, a friend of mine, I wasn't going to, I do have platinum honors with B of A. So, you know, I'm getting the 2.625 on like the travel rewards card. And, uh, I just used that to pay taxes because of the extra 2%. I wasn't going to do it. And then a friend of mine kind of shamed me into it when I looked at the math because I don't have taxes due till the end of the year, but I, it made sense for the extra 2%. I also bought a bunch of uh, Legos on a, on a business card uh, for the business. So about $5,000 or so that I got 2% extra on. I don't know, but I, I know a lot of people were hitting those cards really hard. I didn't you know, probably hit it nearly as hard as uh, most people, or maybe a lot of people, I guess, not most. How many units is $5,000 of Lego? Like, uh, I don't know. A lot. Math, $200 each? No, not $200. He doesn't go for the Benji, the uh, expensive Benji sets. (laughs) It depends. I I buy sets that are anywhere, you know. I buy some speaker sets, yeah. The biggest set I bought was $150, but there was a lot of smaller sets in there as well (laughs) stuff that's retiring soon benji sent me one that he had bought that he said this was a really good set and it was on sale it was like marked down to 170 dollars i'm like dude no like i'm i'm not i'm not spending 170 dollars on legos for my kids that would be like a you know most of their their gift or whatever for whatever we're buying it for so i'm like that's a bit much like i don't love them and they don't love them that much you know that's the weird thing with like lego sets once you build them what do you do with them like they they can only take up so many. You build sp- your so own Lego space. city. You take you take your entire basement in your house. Pretend you're Will Ferrell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you just nice. build a city of Legos. Like I, it's funny because I've you know this is completely nerdy, but just as somebody who invests in it, sometimes I, I'll watch like YouTube videos, and there's this entire Lego community of like quote unquote investors, but most of them are like hardcore Lego people that build their own Legos, and that's sort of how they got into like they'll buy a couple extra sets, hold them a couple years, sell them so that they can finance their Lego hobby. Uh, that's pretty typical. I'm not a, as you know, a Lego lover. Uh, I have only built one set in the last few years, and it was like the most tedious thing I ever did. Um, I'm hoping maybe to try another one, but yeah, it's just strange uh, the whole Lego community. But people do pay for it, and like they go nuts for those minifigures. And when sets retire, you know, they often go up in value. Not always though, so you have to kind of know a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like knowledge that goes into it, but you know, it's a it's an interesting phenomenon. I too think that Legos are crazy. And then Mark, like usually a couple of years after they retire, the really popular sets, you're talking about doubling and tripling that price you're talking about. So, you know, a $200 set 
three years after retirement, if it's a popular one, could be six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Um, for instance, the Stranger Things set that they came out with a couple years ago, it reti- it was a two hundred dollars set. It retired a year ago. It's already at five hundred plus dollars right now. That's just because so, yeah, Stranger Things is awesome. Yeah, so you know <laughs> they have sets like that. Not all sets do that, but uh, people uh, really die for. Uh, I just couldn't imagine sets. having that set on my shelf for like three years. That's just such a long term <laughs> thing, but. Warehouse. I have a warehouse. Yeah, that's true. So that makes it a lot easier for you. But like me, I'm already, you know, me and Joe don't have much space. So finding spots for huge, expensive Lego sets. And then, you know, that uh, kids will get into it and open it and start playing. And you'll be like, no, I'm going to murder you. Well, I was going to say what happens to our Lego sets is the kids build them. They leave them on the shelf and gradually they start breaking down. And, you know, all the pieces just get vacuumed up over time. And, uh, you know, the set... do you step on them, though? Do you step on them? Of course, it's the worst thing ever. It's the worst worst. thing ever. It's the worst. Keeps the burglars out. I totally, uh, you know, cut Mark off from answering that he did not spend on Saturday is my guess. That that was going to be my bet for you, Mark. (laughs) Yeah, I was I had planned on it and I was uh, traveling. So I couldn't do like the normal. If I was home, I definitely would have focused on it a bit, but I had planned to, uh, you know, make some payments online and, and do some things that, you know, small amounts, like two to $3,000, nothing major. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. So that kind of happened and the bank of America did not happen. <laughs> yeah. Once beer gets involved, right. All the priorities sort of just, uh, Joe wins wash away. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta relax. All right. One Easy more thing that money. One more thing I wanted to talk about. This is an article you just wrote today, Mark, with national car rental and prices changing after booking. And one thing I don't know a lot of people who are new to the hobby understand is that car rentals are perhaps the way that people could save more money that they don't because there's things called corporate codes. And I'm not telling you to use a corporate code that you're not qualified for, but all the car rental companies have corporate codes and many of them you might qualify for from your local membership clubs to like for, for all kinds of different things, airline mileage clubs. I highly suggest people out there find out which corporate codes for that they're, that they qualify for because many times, especially during the pandemic, when prices were really crazy, I have a club that I'm a member of that I have a corporate code that gets me really good pricing on national. And I mean, that saved me thousands of dollars through the pandemic because when prices went sky high, I was still getting a fixed rate on my car rentals. And that's really good. But uh, a friend of yours, right, or a reader uh, did that, right? They used a corporate code, assuming that they, they they qualified for it. But they did a corporate code, and then all of a sudden, National decided that they didn't qualify for the code, and then they just skyrocketed the price of their rental? Yeah, she works for one of the uh, the big three car companies. So, you know, it's a legit code that she's a, a, a is able to use. And they have two sets for it. When you go in, if you're using... Let's say, you know, General Motors or Ford, they give you a corporate code. There's one that you use for when you're, you know, it's a work trip. It's, you know, the corporate, the actual corporate code. And then they also, they also set up another one called uh, personal use corporate code. And that's like a perk for employees. I'm guessing they said, hey, we're going to give you all this business. We want to give our employees a perk too. And they'll do it because, hey, you know, it, it's, we're getting all this business from this, you know, company. Like if it's a, if it's General Motors, I can't even imagine how many cars they book with National. So yeah, they'll give you a better deal on your personal stuff too. Well, this is what the problem is, Ben. On those personal corporate codes, they're just going in like she had one that was canceled. So she just rebooked it. It was like $30 more than she originally booked it for, but she's like, whatever, I'll just book it. Still like 270 bucks, 275 bucks. 
and it was fine for a while. And then she got an award uh, wallet alert that her booking had changed and they changed it from 275 bucks to a hundred or a thousand fifteen dollars, which is insane. Didn't reach out, didn't do anything. Didn't say, Hey, this code might not be for you or make sure you bring your credentials or upload a picture of your work ID, something. They just changed the price. And uh, there's a whole flyer talk thread on this, that this happens a lot with this type of code, a personal corporate code. They just go in there and change it. If you call, they likely will adjust it down. They can't adjust the taxes. Uh, so that's a problem, but uh, they will give you most of it off. Like they'll they'll match the price, but you'll still pay taxes on the, the bigger bill, which still stinks. But it's just crazy that they're doing this and the call centers have no idea why it's happening. Managers don't know why it's happening. They have to like do a special workaround to get it the price down, but... Uh, you know, coming from National, it's kind of surprising because they're one of the better car rental companies, and it just seems really shady. I definitely have a friend who something similar happened to them, but it was because the company, like whatever company it was, like say you said Ford or, you know, we're just using generic examples here, like they renegotiated the rate. And so, you know, I, I, I know a friend who was like affected by that and was surprised by the rate they got, not even because they were deemed to like have not qualified, but it's just like... I guess before the pandemic, these rates would just sit in place for years and years and years. But now maybe the car rental companies are trying to make sure that they're not uh, too much of a loss leader or whatever. And so I think that is something to keep an eye on, too. Like for whatever reason, whether it be national beating shady or a non-shady reason, which is the renegotiating of the rate, you know, these are things you have to it's crazy you have to keep an eye on your car rental prices now. But, like, I feel like once you book, it should just, if they renegotiate, that's for future stuff. Like, that you shouldn't be able to adjust that yeah. pricing. That's true. You know, why isn't this locked in? Anything else? Would, could you imagine if the airlines just decided, hey, you know what? Nah, I'm going to charge you a thousand bucks. Good luck. Like, <laughs> it's just bizarre. And they don't let you pay up front. You pay at the counter with these codes. So it's not like you can even pay it and lock it in. It just seems that's that seems like a, an issue that should have some type of regulation. If you book at this code, it should stay there. Now, this happened at uh, Lahui, right? I think Kauai's airport. Yes. That's where the rental's for. So this is a very high cost market. And I'm wondering if this was done on the local level, like if the local national went in and said, hey, you know, this is, you know, not good or they wanted to free up something or, you know, I wonder what level that happened because some of the national... Uh, their franchises, some of the locations. So although I think the ones in the U.S. are all owned by them, but not sure. But yeah, it, it's interesting. I want what what's worse, uh, national increasing your prices or Hertz throwing you in jail? Because there was another story this week of Hertz doing that again. So it's crazy. That's like, just like, dumb. Years, That's like, just dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, from the especially when the car has already been rented out to somebody else and their computer, for some reason, can't figure out that they have the vehicle. How do you check a car in? bill someone and then check it out and it doesn't register that that the other person doesn't still have the car i don't understand hertz said that they're working on a new system their ceo has commented on this in the past they're partnering with another company to help them track their cars yet nothing's changed in a couple of years and they're still calling the police on people and they refuse to like withdraw police reports still because they don't want the police not to believe them essentially uh, anymore, <laughs> which is just—it's just, it's just uh, ridiculous. So yeah, it's it's crazy. But I don't know. Just corporate codes—a uh, very I think underutilized thing. Just make sure you try to find codes that you qualify for, because I've saved so much money over the years. And even over, I always like throw my rental reservations into Auto Slash, 
most like almost 99% of the time, my codes are getting me a cheaper rate than even Autoslash can find with all of their, you know, juju or whatever they do with uh, finding stuff. Um, and personally, I've never seen National Check a corporate code leaving. Um, I do qualify for it, so I'm happy to show them uh, what I need to show them. But uh, just anecdotally, probably 100 rentals over the last five years with National and uh, never been asked for a code. So it's interesting Hundreds to see that rentals. they're doing this. Yeah, hundreds of rentals, thousands of hotels, thousand roller coasters. Yeah, the God, other I should never. I just got to stop saying numbers on this show yeah, because I can never numbers. get. A, I, yeah, Thou <laughs> tens of thousands of Lego pieces. Yes. Oh God, no, that's millions probably, of Lego no, pieces. Probably, probably. Yeah, yeah, tens of thousands. That's that's underselling. That's uh, two the sets. other corporate. <laughs> yeah, the other corporate code you should look for is a lot of like big schools. You know, I know Ohio State has one because my buddy, you know, I helped him to save some money on his car rental because he's an Ohio State alum. And actually, oh, I just realized my father-in-law is an Ohio State alum as well. So I don't know, like your father-in-law now. I mean, it was for <laughs> grad school. So, you know, it all counts. Uh, I, you know, he's anyway. Um, so those are those are things to look out for as well. Like just look at your like alumni page or whatever and see. Uh, so you just never know where these corporate codes can come from. Yeah. And sometimes like discount clubs that have cheap memberships can get them. I mean, it's just a little bit of trial and error, right? And I think over time, if you sort of seek them out, you can find some that, that can help you out uh, that you do qualify for. And uh, it's all good. You could also join AARP, right? Uh, that's been a big thing in the news. I noticed this week, like national media picked up this story about 20 year olds, you know, joining AARP, which uh, in the miles and points hobby, I think has been something that's uh, been known forever. Uh, that's always a novelty to do that. But uh, are you guys members of AARP or have you been? No, I did have the AARP credit card, which that was always gave me some looks uh, when back when it had a $200 bonus through Chase and before Chase 524, when you would just sign up for two cards to get one hard pull, I'd always throw in like, that's how I ended up with the Disney card, the AARP card. It was just like, hey, 200 bucks for 500 spent. Okay, I'll throw that in on, on top. And yeah, you go to a restaurant, you know, at, at <laughs> 1 a.m. and you're paying your bill, cashing out and they're like, why do you have an AARP credit card? Is this yours? Can I see your ID? <laughs> oh, I had the AARP like because I was going to theoretically use it for the 10% off British Airways back. I don't even know if that's still a thing, but back when that was a thing and I never used it and then I let it lapse. So that's like, you know, money down the drain. What about that free again. tote bag you would have got, man? Come on. We got so many. Every tote <laughs> like every tote bag we get just is like, we got too many of these. We try to give these away. True story, like a couple weeks ago, my dad, I, I was at his house and he had AARP magazine there. And he's like, yeah, I finally joined AARP. I was like, yeah, I've been a member for like almost a decade now. So just a mic drop right there. But it is crazy. I've used it in restaurants, not in a while. Back when they used to have like the, for like Outback, they would have these Amex offers that you could stack with like gift card deals. And then the AARP and like we were getting 60% off food and stuff. So every once in a while we'd go to Outback. Blue and, and onion. They had the discount. And just one time I actually did get carded. Every other time I'd get strange looks, but one time I put it down. They're like, I need to see ID for you to get that discount because you're not old enough to be an AARP. So, yeah. The yeah, people buddy. who know, they know. They, they know. know. <laughs> All right. Elks Lodge. That's Join it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the other old person right. thing, but you can do it young and it's cheap. Isn't the Elks the, Lodge uh, like where they have the hats? What are the Freemasons? Are they, are they old? <laughs> yeah i don't know i just know it's like the food's cheap the beer's cheap and you know some of them are in really good locations when you travel and stuff so something uh, to consider <laughs> the things you do when you become an old man 
<laughs> all right. Uh, so that's going to do it for this week's show. So glad that Joe could uh, could make it mid-show. Where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. If you're looking to book a trip, Joseph Chung at Travelmation with an M.net. What about you, Mark? You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Uh, email me, Mark, at miles to memories.com. Comment on any of the articles there. I'll get back to you there. How about you, Sean? You can find me on social, all over social, all the ones you can think of at Miles to Memories and uh, MTM Podcast for this show. If you want to leave us a five star review in Apple Podcasts, that helps us out. If you want to support us by applying for cards, if you want to take one of these offers up, we can. You can find the links for that at mtmpodcast.com. And then for all of our video content, our Vegas stuff kicking butt again, just giving people the weekly Vegas update. But that's at YouTube, but everything's at milestomemories.com. 55 posts a week, Mark, something like that. Uh, there you go. I'm afraid to go below 50 because you're going to correct me. So yeah, I'm going to over here. <laughs> milestomemories.com for everything. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,